Hello, I'm Joey Morgan. And I'm Carly Ross-Seibert. And welcome to Retail Is Podcast. The official Retail Alliance podcast where we talk about all things retail in Hampton Roads. We are joined here today with Mary Landgreeb, owner of Retail Inventory Solutions. You have an extensive background in retail operations and development. Uh, you come from a family legacy of independent retailers, and you understand the challenges of running retail operations because you've done it. Right? Uh, you've spent um, many years at all levels of retail management. Uh, most recently, you were the district manager uh, for a corporate retailer, you managed 18 locations. Uh, I think it's fair to say that this experience, uh, combined with your expertise in retail development, uh, really makes you an un uh, uniquely qualified asset to retailers. Thank you. Um, yeah. <laughs> do you yeah, agree with that? <laughs> I feel like I've had a long career in retail, and I do have a family background. My grandparents owned a um, small store in a small town in Indiana, and it was a clothing store, clothing and shoes. And so, you know, I grew up with the stories of that store, and um, they bought the store um, just as the banks were closing in 1929. They bought the store and the buildings. There were a lot of challenges around retail at the time, and so I grew up with all that, all of that legacy of the challenge of retail and what it really makes truly takes to be successful at it. Absolutely. I think, um, to you, you, you're affiliated with management one, which is a national organization. Yeah. Management one is, um, based out of Tucson, Arizona. Uh, they've been in, in the retail consulting business for over 30 years and use a, a modeling system that, um, forecasts, um, retailers performance and what it takes to run a retail operation. Right. And I know you shared a lot of that expertise and experience and knowledge with um, a lot of our members at one of our Strive uh, webinars um, a couple of months ago. And um, one of the things that came out of that which sort of prompted us to, to ask you to join us here today was the media perpetuating a, a story and narrative about the demise of retail or brick and mortar retail, I should say. Uh, and what your opinion was of that and I thought that was a very interesting perspective and I thought that it might be great to, to have a chat with you about that. So can you sort of explain a little bit about your thoughts on that? Sure. It's, um, it's a narrative that is just completely not true and it is perpetuated by the media and I take kind of every opportunity I can to squash that, that narrative because simply if you go to um, the United States Department of Commerce Census Bureau, they do studies on all of this. The bottom line is brick and mortar retail is 90% of all retail business. Online business is 10%. So they like to refer to it as a David and Goliath. And I think they've got their David and their Goliath backwards. Um, brick and mortar is, is truly the majority of the business. It's, it, it would be a misnomer to say that, that the shopping trends haven't changed some because 20 years ago, there wasn't, there wasn't 10% of the business going to online, but that's still, that's still in the process of shaking out. It's not growing at the rates that um, the, the news media seem to, to like to make it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's a narrative that needs to be squashed. There's a lot of very successful brick and mortar retailers out there um, that continue to have success and are, are growing, um, you know, despite the narrative. Why do you think the narrative is being pushed so hard? I think it makes for an interesting news story when you have somebody big and somebody small that gets, you know, somebody's in trouble or somebody's, it makes a dramatic story. And look, at the reality of it is there are some markets that have been impacted. If you look at commodities types, uh, markets, office supplies, um, books, um, 
some of those uh, pet supplies, another one that's, that's, you know, there's been some shifts in the marketplace that I think we can't deny, um, but those are not things that you need to see, touch, and feel. So when it comes to, to people wanting that experience in a retail business, it's, there's still very much a demand for it. And the retailers that do it well are very successful. Okay. So um, I also, you touched it briefly on, you know, there's so much change in the retail industry, but there's also change with consumer habits and, and perception and then their behavior, I should say. So how does that sort of impact their shopping? Like you were saying about convenience and maybe not having that touch and feel. So how has that impacted and changed, do you think? Well, they, consumers want a simplified experience. So they want to be able to walk in and have, have choices, but not too many choices. So there's, you know, the, the consumer behaviors alone is if, if they walk into a store and there's too many choices, some frankly get overwhelmed and make no choice at all. So there's a balance that you have to have in, in what you carry in a retail store to make sure that you're meeting the needs, but that you're not offering too many options to make somebody walk away from making a decision. Mm -hmm. Okay. Going back to something, it's just something I noticed too. I mean, our consumption of media is very different as well. So the way that we hear about things, 20, 30 years ago, we wouldn't have heard that a store had closed on the other side of the country or that five stores are closed on the other side of the country. But now, you know, with the advent of, like, immediacy of the news and uh, news being consumed in different ways and just having that sensationalism a little bit more, I feel, that, you know, that's possibly what's also causing that, that you know. There's a, there's a consolidation in the marketplace. And I think, you know, the news media likes to perpetuate this retail apocalypse, which... You know, perceptually, you could say there's there's some things going on. There are some shifts in the marketplace going on. And, you know, if we go back to um, 2000, 2001, when we had the consolidation of the dot-com marketplace, that was a, you know, there was a significant shift in what was taking place. And we're kind of at the same crossroads here um, with retail. The companies that are healthy are surviving. The companies that have made bad decisions, um, they're, they're having a hard time time making it. If, if you get yourself into too much debt, you're going to have a problem. And there's there's some really good examples of that out there. There's um, there's um, Payless Shoe Stores is a classic example of what happened in the marketplace. Um, they, they struggled financially for a long time. They went out and sought um, private equity. So they were acquired by an equity firm. The equity firm put people in charge that frankly don't understand retail. And the first thing that people who don't understand retail do is they cut inventory and they cut payroll. And so you're cutting your service and you're cutting what you're selling. And then they did, they did a few other things that really, um, that were really um, ultimately the demise of the company. They, they moved the headquarters from Kansas, Kansas City to another project that the, the hedge fund owned, which was in Texas. So they picked up everybody and at the, the expense of everything, moved everybody into a failing project that they had in Texas. And it ultimately caused the demise of the, of the company. 2,500 stores closed. People lost their jobs. Um, that that shoe business doesn't necessarily go away. It just gets absorbed in other places. People are still buying. Retail sales are growing. There's just there's no question about that. So that's spilling into other marketplaces. So that's that's one example of what happens. And you see, I, I call the private equity acquisition kind of the kiss of death for a retailer. It just really. Um, they don't understand retail operations. And unless you have retail experts that understand 
um, how you need to run an operation like a retail store, you're you're gonna you're gonna run it into the dirt. I suppose the same goes for big and small businesses. It does, and it, even the small businesses have challenges. You have to be a healthy small business. You have to plan things. You have to have budgets. You have to adhere to those budgets, and you have to not grow too fast. When you hit when you hit on something good, you need to make sure you capitalize on that on that good piece, but that you don't grow too big. And I think. You know, the most recent um, bankruptcy in, in Forever 21 was a, was a classic example of exactly what happened in that marketplace. You had an extraordinarily successful fast fashion um, retailer. They were, um, they were, their goal was to open 600 stores in three years. Those are 38,000 square foot stores. You can cover up a lot of mistakes when you're growing that fast. You can make some bad decisions and the growth just kind of covers up what's going on in the background. Now, when the growth slows down is when you're accountable for your decisions. So in their case, they were in fast fashion, which um, acquisitions when you're opening, the acquisitions of inventory when you're opening that quickly is very difficult. So finding the suppliers that could could supply the stores was really challenging. Real quick, what is fast fashion? Fast fashion is an LA-driven, um, it's an LA-driven apparel market that um, very quickly conforms to um, what the tr the current trends are. Okay. So it's it's low. It's it's very low cost, very high margin. Um, mm. But it, and it's you know people sometimes question the quality of it, but it's very popular um, in women's apparel. I was going to say, is that where they uh, they have the runway fashion, where they actually they see it on the runway and literally like within twenty four hours, it's in a store. A oh, wow. They're a copy of it though. A cheaper version. Yeah, they're producing. That. Yeah, they're producing that type of that type of fashion well, in a different way. Well, that was called. I've seen. I've been in Forever Twenty One with my girlfriend a few times, and some of those outfits are just so. They had a whole UPS line of clothing really? where everything was branded like the UPS. Like, okay, that's interesting. And the trade people liked it. Dress like the brown guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, anyway. it's a. So uh, they had a great business going. They were at one point of four point four billion dollar. Um, company and their entire demise happened when they stopped growing. They they made some mistakes in their growth. They tried to get into children's and men's, which was not their customer, and they got away from their focus. And I think you could say that about any retailer. When you get away from your focus and who you are, it's it's not that you don't want to try different things. You just have to try them very carefully and get at get in and get out quickly. So if you make a if you make a decision to get into something, it doesn't work. You've got to get out of it quickly and re and recover. But how does that work for a small business where you've actually invested so much possibly in inventory that it's, you may not be able to get rid of? And it's the same. It's the same decision. It's it really is the same decision. So this is where you know in the Strive workshop we talked about inventory turns and the importance of how quickly you turn your inventory. And we talked about if you have one turn per year, you're completely turning over your inventory one time. And if you do that, you're not turning your inventory quick enough to make a profit because in all of that, you have to cover your overhead. So if you decide to go into something new, a new product line, you want to try a new line of socks or a new line of something, and you bring it in and it sits for 30 days, 60 days, and nothing's moving, you, you, you have to react quickly to it, mark it down, get your cash back out of it, and move on. Even if it's at a loss? Even if it's at a loss. Because you've, you've already tied your cash into it. So retailers get very, very caught in margin. And sometimes you have to, you have to capitalize on the margins you're making. You'll have, 
you know, some, some margins that are outstanding. And then you try something and it doesn't work. And so you just got to get out of it, get your cash out of it, put your cash back into something that is going to work and turn quickly and move. What if it's a seasonal thing and it's it's done? Like you, I know, remember you mentioned the story about you receiving an inventory that was Christmas related, yeah. literally right before Christmas and you couldn't get rid of it. But how do you still put it on clearance after Christmas, even Absolutely. though it's a Christmas themed thing? Absolutely. There's there's seasonality to everything. Um Truly, I mean, there's there's regular carry items, which, you know, I think is why, it, it, you know, some of the retailers have been so successful in the things they do. If you walk into a Home Depot, you're always going to see certain things that they carry all the time. If you walk into, you know, a hardware store or, but if you walk into a clothing store, it needs to be a constant flow of change. And, and that's the, the seasonality of things. So things can't hang around for very long. If your typical customer comes in once a week, you want to make sure that they're seeing something new every single week. So therefore, I suppose this is a little off topic, but do you change up the store? You can do that? it. You can do it through re-merchandising, but, but they're going to get on to you too. Okay. So the story I told in the Strive Workshop was related to retailers keeping track of what they've got coming and going. And you really have to have you know, a list of what, what you've ordered, when it's coming, and what to expect. And I had a particular retailer that... Um, she wasn't, she wasn't keeping track of everything and she'd gone to market, but you know, sometimes you go to market in January or March to buy things for December and she had gone to market and she wasn't tracking her orders very carefully. And she had 300 pairs of Christmas socks show up on the 23rd of December. Well, that's a problem. You're not going to sell Christmas socks. So you have two choices. You can pack away, pack it away and hang on to it for next year, which is never advisable in retail. It's just not it's not a profitable way to hold over uh, merchandise um, or you can mark it down and move through it and get your cash back out of it so that you can put it into something that's that's more um, that's going to turn a little bit quicker. Right. And also, um, you know, it's very, you know, the, the words go around very much so that the fourth quarter is where retail does make its sales. So I suppose that also goes towards that. If you're holding on to your inventory till the next year, you're obviously not going to be making up those sales well there's a certain amount of money you want to invest in inventory and if it's tied up in the wrong place then you've got too much cash invested in the wrong place and what you typically see in in retailers and in my practice and i have i have 22 clients um, across the united states um, what i typically see is they're either overbought or underbought and if they're underbought um, you've got a challenge because you're missing sales opportunity and you never see a store. So if you're planning on this quarter, we're going to do, say, this is just a just an example. We're going to do $150,000 in the month of December, and you've got $150,000 worth of merchandise, you're probably not going to meet that sales goal. Because I've never walked into a store where it was completely empty at the end of the season. Hmm. Conversely, if, you have, if you're going to do $100,000 and you have $400,000 worth of merchandise, um, you've got too much. And so you've got to react a little bit differently to that and do some promotions to move through those, those items quickly to make sure that you're not stuck at the end of the season. Okay. Right. So, we, uh, so we've talked about how you don't think retail is dead. We talked about how the, the media has been sort of perpetuating that myth. Uh, the other thing we brought you here that we wanted to talk to you about was specifically quarter four and some tips or advice and some of your thoughts in general on a uh, like what retailers can do to potentially, you know, increase their profits, which is what everybody wants to be doing. 
uh, especially during, from what I understand, is the most critical time of year for it, retailers. It is the most critical time of the year for most retailers. If you're in... I guess a uh, surf shop, maybe yeah. not. Well, surf shop, <laughs> yeah. garden centers, not yeah. because... Yeah. I mean, they sell a lot of points at us. In Australia, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, but you're right. I mean, this is a big, big time of year. Fourth quarter, and we're, we're in the heart of it right now. It started October, October 1, so October, November, December are the biggest months in retail, typically. Um, for are you most, sure? Because I've, I've also heard the story that it's starting earlier and earlier. It, October, November, December. It's still... It already yeah. sounded earlier than I thought yeah. it started in November. Now there's I know October was included. Yeah. Well, October's part of fourth quarter. So okay. October yeah, can be part of sense. preparation. And sales trends are different based on the store. So it's very important that retailers have a plan. They understand what their numbers are. They understand where their sales are. They're tracking their sales by week this time of year to know exactly where their peaks and valleys are so they can be staffed properly, have the right merchandise, have enough merchandise. If they've got too much merchandise, run a special promotion. If you know that you went to market and you overbought sweaters by three times, you need to have a promotion on sweaters going into the season. The other thing that's important to remember in, in this time of year is there are, um, there are different weeks that, that promote different things. So we get to the decorating season. So if you sell home decor and you want to make sure you get all of your home decor sold by the end of that home decor season. That's not December 25th. It's usually by the first week of December, people have stopped buying decor. And then that moves on into the gift season where people are buying gifts and stocking stuffers and those types of items. So you have to very carefully look at where your inventory is selling when and make sure you're prepared for those seasons. If you're heavy or light, there's still time to react to it as a retailer. So... Do you also uh, advise to look at previous years to see what sold? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, the, the trends the trends are gonna gonna follow um, what you've done in previous years. I think if if you haven't turned on the TV, you would, <laughs> you wouldn't know that this Christmas season between between Black Friday and Christmas is six days shorter than last year, and so there are a lot of early promotions taking place this year to try and capitalize on that. It'll be interesting to see how that impacts um, this, the sales between between Thanksgiving and, and Christmas. There's a certain number of people that are just not going to shop this early. I happen to be one of them. Right. Is that, is that by choice or is it just you know, it's just it's a slacker time. when it comes to it's, Christmas? It's time. I spend a lot of time getting my clients prepared for this time of year. And then when it's time for me to shop, it's usually sometime in December. And I find that there's good... You know, there's good sales taking place then, and you can get uh, you know, I see good what, value. I see money. what she does. She advises, uh, advises her clients <laughs> when to do the sales. No. And then goes, no. No. <laughs> no, there's an ethics to this business. I'm of course, I'm kidding. <laughs> so one thing that um, is very difficult to forecast is the weather. And I know it's impacted previous years sort of out of the blue sometimes, and it's really impacted people's sales. It, it has. Um, this year has been particularly interesting because it stayed warm for so long. And it stayed warm in places that was really unusual. We had 90-degree weather in southern Indiana in October. And so, you know, you have your retailers all prepared for sweater and coat season, and they're stocked up, ready to go. And it's 90 degrees out, so nary a sweater or coat were selling um, until the latter part of, part of October um, and just now some picking up. And then interestingly enough, it all, all changed very quickly. Um, I've got a, a client in Breckenridge, Colorado, and 
it started snowing there a couple of weeks ago, which is highly unusual. And it's impacted her business in ways. So that's where you have to really watch your inventory levels. If you know that you have certain items that are going to sell within a certain season, mm -hmm. you, you may have to do some extra promotion. And that's not, you know, that's not losing money on them. It's just making the price right for the customer to make that decision when they walk into your store the first time. So you want to make sure that, you know, if, if it's a 20% off sale, it's good enough for them to look at them, look at the item and say, yep, that's a value. And I want to, I want to get that right now. And sometimes that discounts a little bit deeper, um, the deeper you get into the season. So, um, you know, it's not unusual to see, um, me advise, um, my clients at, you know, the first week in December, if they've got, um, home decor left, we're going to take some deep discounts to make sure that, that you're still, you're still moving through that, that product. And then when I say deep discounts, I'm talking, you know, forward 40 to 50%. Wow. Is there a, um, is there a sort of starting point that you would recommend for discounts in general? Um, you have to remember your inventory is cash. It's, mm -hmm. it's your cash in the business. So if you've made the decision that you've got a dud, that decision needs to be dealt with quickly. So again, it's that customer that walks into the store. You know that it wasn't appealing at the original price. So what is that price that's going to make that customer react? And a lot of times it's between that 40 and 50% marker. So they pick it up the first time. You don't want them to come in and decide that it's not worth it at 20% or 25% or 30%. You want them to come in and go, that's... That's the kind of deal I'm looking for, and I'll be willing to take something that maybe I wouldn't have paid full price for at a, at a discount. And that's how you move those turns quickly and get your cash back out of your inventory and put it somewhere that's going to be more productive. Is, just out of interest, mm -hmm. is a percentage off better than like a BOGO, for instance? Mm -hmm. You know, it, de it depends. I mean, it, different retailers do it different ways. Um price pointing is actually the best way to do it so marking it and that may that price point may be 50 off but making it very clear if it's a 20 dollars item that it's 9.99 um it's very clear exactly how much how much the item is and there's a psychology to knowing knowing that dollar amount and it being mm -hmm. a being a bargain yeah also um and it's interesting me looking at the whole big box versus sort of small business mm -hmm. and this time of year where there is you know Online selling, you know, Amazon, everyone's, you know, seems to be lying on Amazon. And how big is Black Friday, do you feel? And that sort of big box, you know, Thanksgiving sales, Black Friday for small business. Do you think that they need to be competing in there? I, I don't know that I don't know that they necessarily compete. There's now small business Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I think um, you know, I, I appreciate the retail alliance taking on the the effort for, um, well, for by, November. By local month. By local <laughs> month. And I think that's really an important, that's an important initiative for our local business owners. But do they need to compete? Look, it, let's go back a little bit to online sales. If you look at the top 10 online sellers, six out of 10 of them are brick and mortar stores. So you've got Amazon, who look, they've got 50% of the business. But some would argue that they're not making money on selling merchandise. They're making money on their services around that. The other thing that I would point out about Amazon is they've recognized the need to be in the brick and mortar business. So, so they've acquired grocery stores. Whole foods, yeah. They're doing they're doing different things around um, having having outlets to get their merchandise out quickly. Um, but they've recognized that need for brick and mortar. So I think. We can't, we can't look at the online and say it's the end-all, be-all, and every, everything's shifting that way. Look, there's certain people that are going to shop online, and that's what they want to do, and that's fine. But again, it's the see, touch, and feel. 
and that if you look at the overall business, it really is it really is still brick and mortar. The other thing that I would point out in this whole retail apocalypse mm-hmm. is that you're going to see healthy healthy chains close stores, and that's a prudent thing to do financially. So if you look in every article, and again, it fits the press narrative of there's retail stores closing, CVS is closing 40 stores. CVS is a very financially healthy company. And and if they're closing 40 stores or if Target decides to close some underperformers, that's a good financial decision. And we can't look at it as part of an apocalypse. It's it's just making a good financial decision. There's two different things going on. There's there's some consolidation and then there's there's some bad decision making. And I would say Forever 21 pay, pay less. Some of these some of these chains that are going out of business that are really vacating huge properties, um, those those are bad business decisions and poorly run operations. And so it, that's, it changes the flavor of, of what you say in the marketplace. Yeah. I mean, even uh, with our, we're a membership-based organization. So looking at, um, I suppose, locally here in Hampton Roads, the amount of small businesses that are closing hasn't really increased year on year for the last few years. Yeah. Is, so I, I can't, we can't see it being a retail apocalypse either from a small business point of view. It's, um, so it's not. It's just, it's just, it's a poor narrative. The narrative needs to be corrected. And I, you know, I appreciate you doing this podcast today because I think it's a narrative that we need to continue to talk about because people are making decisions. I have, I have a client that I just took on a few months ago that had almost stopped buying inventory because she was so afraid to have it. And so she's like, my business is going down. I said, well, of course your business is going down. You don't, you, don't have, you don't have enough inventory to support the sales that you had last year. And once you get somebody to understand that, that you have to make those investments and there is, a, there is a business model that you can operate under and be profitable. I have retailers that are create, creating careers for people. So they go into the business and they decide they want to build their store to the level where they can be paying their manager a career level um, salary. And I think that's important to, to watch for those retailers. And those are the ones that are absorbing the business as a forever 21 closes. That's that business isn't all going away. People are, people are still shopping. So you have your money somewhere else. Yeah, they're not going to just go all to the online whole, sales. Right. They still, Shift your shopping. So maybe it's not so much a the retail apocalypse. Maybe just you know, bad retailer it's apocalypse. A, yeah, so it's there's a, it's less margin for air now with options that's that right that people have that they were not going to put up with a bad exactly. retailer people aren't so forgiving now they're not the yeah information is is at the tip of their but they're also a lot more loyal now too if they find one that they like or at least i know my friends are if they find mm-hmm. somebody local that they like they're gonna they'll be with them the entire way that's right mm-hmm. that's right and they're the people that will get to know them oh yeah so you know and that relationship is worth worth building for sure so one one question i had was um do you feel that these small retailers they all need to be online to be able to get to that sort of audience. No, I think um, I think one of the biggest mistakes a retailer can make um, at certain levels. I don't I, look. You have to have a landing page. You have to have a Facebook or an Instagram. You have to you have to be on those platforms and have information around your business. Do you have to have the e-commerce piece around it? I, I don't believe that you do. And I think that you're setting yourself up to run. They're two, first of all, they're two completely different businesses. So they, they're two different business models. It takes, it takes a whole different marketing budget and um, promotion budget for an online store than it does for a brick and mortar. I suppose even inventory management. The inventory mm-hmm. management can get complicated as well. Um, but the bottom line is that, no, you don't, you don't have to. Um, 
a lot of what I find is retailers that are smaller in, in nature, they focus, they lose focus of who they are. And if we go back to what we were talking about in the beginning of the conversation, if you lose focus of who you are and what you are is where you begin to lose, lose ground in your, in your customer base. And you begin disappointing customers and that's, that's where the unraveling begins. I think, I do think um, there's certain businesses that can do very well by going online. I think there's a certain level of business that you can be at where it's prudent to be on, to have an e-commerce presence. But I think um, the majority of them try to do it too soon and it just complicates their business. Right. All right, um, well, we unfortunately are running out of time. We can sit and talk with you for hours. This has been so nice. Uh, I just want to touch really quickly on quarter four. Give me some of the key dates that retailers need to be aware of. Well, I think Small Business Saturday for any independent retailer, you need to you need to play up on that. American Express does a great job of the promotion for that. They provide supporting materials. Um, I think um, so. Small Business Saturday is very big. What day Um, is that? It's the the day after Black Friday. So the Saturday right. after Thanksgiving. So that'll be, would that be December 30th? Not December, no, December, November. November, November. And I'm so sorry, day, I don't have a calendar. The day after Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving. Right, so November though. So it's the day after. So that Friday? It's Saturday. Saturday. Small business Saturday. Saturday. So you got, you got November 30th. November 30th? That's November, dear. Oh, all right. <laughs> November calendars are hard okay. to read, so, and they need to simplify them, and that's my yeah. hot take on that. Small business <laughs> Saturday is huge. Um, you've got to remember in that first week of December, that's really the last week of decorating. So if you have decorating materials, um, if you're shifting on past that, it's gift giving. That's when you really, that second week in December, you really have to have a decision as to where your inventory position is. If you've got too much or not enough. And there is still there is still time to react now. I would take a look at those weeks very quickly and make sure you've got them planned out. Um, and taking into account that extra, you know, that the few days that we don't have the few days that we don't have. So it's really important to just be well prepared. There's mm-hmm. still you still have a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. It's not too late to get orders in of merchandise if you're shy. If you're heavy, um, the time to start promoting is right Sales. after that. No. Yeah, that first, right after that first weekend. Open December. house, you know. Open houses are great. They drive business. I was at a local business this weekend, and you could barely move. It was so busy in there. I was um, very proud of that retailer. So retail is not dead. Brick and mortar retail is not dead. Um, online sales are playing a role, but I think we got to keep in mind exactly where the money is is going this time of year, and ninety, close to ninety percent of it is still in brick and mortar retail. I think that's a great note to finish on. That's great. All right. Thank Thank you you. very much for uh, being here with us. You're welcome. Thank you, guys.